there in Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 7. Let us now give our attention to the reading and hearing of God's word. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover, that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? Jesus said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber? Where shall I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. They went and found as he said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we do plead for the blessing of thy spirit upon the preaching of thy word this morning. We confess, O Lord, that we are weak and sinful creatures, and yet we need that word of instruction. We need that word that thou hast ordained to give to us this morning. And so we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as we continue in our study of the Gospel of Luke, as we come to the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, as we come to this section of the Gospel of Luke, which is the account of the passion and suffering of Christ, we find here that Jesus is making his journey that way to the cross that was laid out for him from before the beginning of the world. Here we find in this passage wonderful instruction for us on the importance of the Passover and how that relates to the ministry and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here as we look at our text this morning, Jesus has made all things ready, not only for the Passover, but for his suffering and death. Now, as we look at this passage this morning, this is a historical narrative, and these are a little different, particularly to preach and to bring forth application. But I think there's some wonderful instruction for us to understand as we come to this text. But I'd like for us to understand, first of all, this morning, the significance of the Passover. What does that mean that Jesus and his disciples observe the Passover feast. Well, when you go back to the Old Testament, and you find there in Deuteronomy chapter 16, it's a lengthy passage, but I would encourage you on your own to look at that. But there under the Old Covenant administration, as Deuteronomy chapter 16 lays out for us, 
Moses prescribes to the people those feast days that they were to observe. And he calls them to, to worship the Lord God according to what he has prescribed and to turn away from their idolatry. Particularly there in verses 1 through 8 of Deuteronomy chapter 16, we find in the text that in the month of Abib, or in the month of Nisan, which is the spring, that is really the beginning of the Jewish calendar. In fact, it states there in verse 6, But at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to please his name in, there shalt thou sacrifice the Passover at evening, at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou canst forth, that thou camest forth out of Egypt. And so we find there that account of Moses granting unto the people that Passover that was observed within the month of March and April, as it would be according to our calendar. This is the time of the exodus of the people out of Egypt. Now, when you look over in Exodus chapter 12, and there are a number of passages that speak of this, I think it's important for us to to see the significance of the Passover. But there in Exodus chapter 12, we see... The Lord speaking unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. So Israel is already in Egypt. They've already settled there. And he says unto his servants, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. So the calendar for for Israel began in the spring. And so he says the month shall be unto you the beginning of months. This was the beginning of the year, the first month of the year. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying that in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And then the text goes on and describes the instruction that Moses gives to the people For the Passover, God brought the people out of Egypt. And it is as he brings them out of Egypt, they begin to celebrate that prescribed feast day to remind them of their deliverance from Israel. Now, there are many who call themselves Christians who still observe the Passover. And yet under the old covenant, it was for Israel because God delivered them from the bondage of sin, delivered them from the power of Pharaoh, and as God led them out, he reminded them that he was their God, and they were his people. And so in our text, as we think about the significance of the Passover, it says in verse 7, Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. 
And so every season, the Passover was to be observed. But if you go back to verse 1, in the preparation of the Passover that Jesus celebrated with his disciples, it says the feast of unleavened bread was drawing near, which is called Passover. I believe I said this last week that Luke writes to a Gentile audience. He does not write to a Jewish audience. Jewish audience would have known that unleavened bread and Passover were the same thing. And so here he describes to these Gentiles, the feast of unleavened bread is drawing near, which is called the Passover. There in Exodus chapter 12, verses 43 through 48, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money, may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner, no hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside of the house, and ye shall not break any of its bones. And the congregation of Israel shall keep it, If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. And he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of that Passover meal. And so it was ordained under the old administration for the people to remind them of the wonderful mercy that the Lord God gave unto his people. It's in the context of the administration of the Lord's Supper that Jesus celebrates that Passover with his disciples. And there in that account in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, we see that the people of God were called to celebrate the Passover as a reminder to them that the Lord would indeed pass over the houses of those who had been saved from the wrath of God. As God sent forth the plagues upon Egypt, as he sent forth the plagues that resulted in the death of the firstborn sons of all of the Egyptians, God institutes that Passover celebration. They were to prepare the lamb. And the houses that were marked with the blood of the lamb were spared from the death, the wrath of God. And here we find in this wonderful passage of Scripture that as they come to this Passover feast, they are reminded that the Lord their God saved them from the power of, of, of Egypt, that he saved them from the power of sin and death. Now in this passage, we see the preparation for the Passover. We see that in that preparation for Passover, Luke records that Satan had entered into Judas, that there was a 
conspiracy against the Lord Jesus Christ. That in that conspiracy, the leaders of Israel and even one of the Lord's own disciples conspired against him. And it is in that preparation of Passover that we find that event occurring as well as this event that is occurring here. And so we find the significance of this Passover celebration that Israel was to kill that lamb upon that day. Here in verse 7, the text tells us that on that 14th day of Nisan, that day of unleavened bread, the Passover was killed. Now, verse 1, they're approaching that day of unleavened bread or Passover. Here, in the middle of the week, that day arrives for the feast of unleavened bread. Seven days, Israel was to remove every ounce of leaven from their homes. And so they could not eat leaven in their bread. They couldn't even have leaven in their houses. They were to remove that leaven for seven days. And on that Passover evening, in the afternoon, they were to take an unblemished lamb, a male lamb, slaughtered by the priest in the temple. And so that lamb would be brought to the temple. The priest would slaughter that. And the instruments under the old administration grounded out the bleeding of the lambs as they were sacrificed before the Lord their God. God was very specific in his prescription for how they were to observe the Passover. Every detail is laid out. It couldn't be a goat, as cute as goats are. It couldn't be a goat. It had to be a lamb that was unblemished. It had to be a young male lamb. And it was slaughtered. And so by divine necessity, by divine decree, the fulfillment of Jesus' ministry and his sacrifice for sin was at hand. Back in Luke chapter 4, in verse 43, there early on in the ministry of Jesus, after he had been tempted in the wilderness by Satan, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities, for therefore am I sent. And the text says he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. That phrase, I must, indicates that by divine necessity, by divine decree, the Lord Jesus Christ was to fulfill the plan and mission of the Father. That the Lord Jesus Christ came not to feed hungry people, not to to set up some uh, missionary station where he would minister to the social needs or he was not called to bring social justice. He was called to preach the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as he states there, I am called to preach. We find here in this passage in Luke chapter 22 that Passover, in the midst of, 
of the administration of the Lord's Supper was designed to remind the people that God would provide a lamb that would deliver them from the power of sin and death. For Israel under the old administration, we need to be reminded this is so difficult in our day to understand that there was one covenant of grace. Genesis 3.15, that covenant of grace began when the covenant of works ended. When the people disobeyed the covenant of works, God entered into covenant of grace with the people and we see the administration of that covenant under Moses, under Abraham, under David. We see the fulfillment of that under Christ. But let us understand that in the Old Testament, in that Passover feast, Israel knew that it was the Lamb of God who would take away their sins, not the lamb of that, not the blood of that, that lamb. And so that's important for us to understand because sometimes we get caught in the types and the shadows of the Old Testament. We say, well, Christ isn't there. Christ is all through the Old Testament. Christ is clearly there. As that Passover meal was celebrated, the significance of that was that God came to redeem both Jew and Gentile from the power of sin, death, And so there in verse 7, we see the significance of the Passover, that it must be killed. Passover was the actual slaughtering of the lamb and the eating of that lamb in the Passover meal and the removing of the leaven so that they might remember that God had delivered them from the leaven of sin, that God had delivered them from the leaven of their disobedience. And that by that Passover lamb, the prescription was given that Israel was to be reminded that they were a holy people who were delivered from the power of sin and death. And so here as we see the significance of the Passover, we don't want to want to get caught up in the continual observance of the old, old Passover meal. Even the Adventists, even other groups that still observe the Passover celebration every year. They do it without any thought of Christ. And yet for Israel, it wasn't as if they didn't know what they were doing. Certainly there was still a a blindness for them because they did not see the fulfillment of, of all that Christ had come to do. But here the significance of the Passover is that the Lord provided a feast to remind the people that He is the God who delivers us from sin, that He is the God who delivers us from the power of Satan. And so we see the significance of this Passover feast. That as we move on in our text, we see the preparation of the Passover as well. Jesus sent Peter and John told them, go and prepare the Passover that we may eat. There was as much preparation for the Passover as there perhaps is for any other meal, and yet the eating of the Passover was done in haste. They did not take a leisurely three-hour time to sit down and eat, but they prepared the Passover meal according to, to the purpose and design of God. 
They had to follow every detail. We need to be reminded sometimes even in our day when we, we want to throw off restraints. We have to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ lays out for us the details. And even in the law, the details are there to remind us that God is holy and that there is no deviation from His law. And so there is that preparation for the Passover. That as the two disciples of the Lord Jesus are sent out, it's interesting to note that the passage says He sent Peter and John Now, Peter and John were his closest disciples. Peter and John were the first disciples that were called to follow Christ. They were the first converts. Jesus says, come and follow me. So Peter and John were converted first. They were um, the two leading apostles. There was no um, apostolic succession as some erroneously proposed. There wasn't some pecking order, but they were the two disciples whom the Lord Jesus Christ relied upon. So he sent them out to prepare the Passover that they might eat it. It's interesting to note in John's account of the gospel is a beautiful account of that Passover meal. There at the Passover meal, it says that John, who was closest to the Lord, And the scripture says, the one whom Jesus loved. John was laying upon his breast. Peter was lying there upon his breast because they would recline at table in a Passover meal. So here we see the closeness of Jesus to these two disciples. There's an intimacy that really is is the heart of, of, of the gospel for us. That with the gospel, it creates a people who are intimate one with another. And so Jesus has that closeness with these two and he sends them forth, the text says, to prepare the Passover. No deviation. But notice Jesus doesn't give them any details. He says, go and prepare the Passover that we may eat. The question begins, well, Lord, where... Where will we prepare it? Can you imagine telling an employee, I want you to go and pick up this part from, from a client? And you're like, okay, well, where is this client? What is this that I'm picking up? It's the same thing here. Jesus doesn't give any detail. He just says, go and, and prepare. So where will we have this Passover? Jesus says, behold, When ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water, follow him into the house where he entereth in. Now notice the details of the preparation that these disciples are to look for. You shall say unto the good man, or the master, that's what good man means, the master of the house, say unto him, where is the guest chamber? In other words, where is that room where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? Notice in verse 11, Jesus tells his disciples, say the master has sent us, And he wants to know where he will eat the Passover with his disciples. Now, this is Passover season. 
Everyone was coming to Jerusalem to eat Passover. The lamb was slaughtered by the priest in the temple. They would take that lamb and they would go to their individual homes and they were, would observe Passover. And so they were looking for that place that they might have the Passover meal. Perhaps we don't see the details on the surface, but Jesus is preparing for something far greater. And as they come to that room, verse 13 says, They went and found just as Jesus said unto them. And they made ready the Passover. Evening was the time when they would gather or fetch their water. I remember that term when I was younger. You go and fetch something. And so they would go and fetch their water at evening time. And oftentimes it was a slave that did that work. It wasn't the master that did it. It was a slave. But notice Jesus says you'll find a man bearing a pitcher of water. Here's the detail. Jesus says look for the man bearing the pitcher of water. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of men bearing pitchers of water at that season. But he says, go. And there in verse 13, it says, They went and found, as he said, and they made ready the Passover. The two disciples prepared that dish of bitter herbs. They prepared that roasted lamb. They prepared that wine. The lamb slaughtered by the priest in the court of the temple was brought to that very place where they would observe the Passover meal. Jesus desired to eat with his disciples. Jesus, in giving them the details, fulfills the law of God. I want us to note something here in this text that is often overlooked. Jesus carried out the details of Passover by his own divine foreknowledge. When Jesus comes to the disciples and they says, well, where will we prepare it? Where is the guest chamber? Verse 11. Where shall we eat this Passover meal? Many scholars just think that Jesus kind of prearranged all of this. That Jesus was setting aside his preaching in the temple and going and taking care of all the details himself. That is not how it took place. Jesus, by divine knowledge, had already worked in the heart of this man who would give them the room. The Lord Jesus Christ knew all of the details. By his divine power, he worked in the heart of the, of the master that he might obey what the Lord Jesus Christ said. The master saith unto thee, where is the guest chamber that we may eat the Passover? Jesus in his knowledge had already arranged all the details. Jesus in his power worked on the heart of this man that he might obey, that he might 
allow them to come and make preparation for this Passover. The Lord Jesus Christ, by His good providence, orders all of these things for His own purpose. And I think there's a tendency for us, we understand the ancient creeds that Christ is fully God and yet fully man, and yet when it comes to Christ as the Son of God and the Son of Man, we sometimes think of Him as divided. Well, here is Christ in His humanity. He cannot have full knowledge. Christ in His humanity cannot have full power. Christ in His humanity cannot have perfect providence and knowledge. And yet He is fully God and fully man in one person. And so we don't want to divide Christ. We don't want to bring confusion. We want to see that Christ... That man who walked with his disciples, that man who healed the sick and raised the dead, had perfect knowledge of every event, and that he ordered all of these things for his own purpose and glory. Oh, how amazing the power and the providence of God is. How amazing the knowledge of God is that he knows every detail and that he orders it all for his own purpose. And so as they make their way for the Passover preparation, we see the significance of the Passover. We see the preparation of Passover. But thirdly and finally, we see the reasons for Passover. I want us to see three reasons for why the Lord Jesus Christ lays out the Passover celebration for his disciples. Christ desired to eat it with them. Christ desired to eat the Passover with his disciples. But the first reason why Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples was because... He honored the Old Testament ordinance. He fulfilled the law of God. Remember Jesus as a young boy in the temple? His parents began to get frantic. We, we cannot find Jesus. They find him at the young age of 12 as he's getting ready for his bar mitzvah. He's there teaching the leaders and the scribes of Israel. And he says, I have to be about the work of my Father's kingdom. Jesus submitted even there to the Old Testament law. He submitted to the rite of passage as a 12-year-old boy. He obeyed his parents in every detail of the law. He honored his father and mother. And we see here that Jesus keeps the Passover with his disciples. Because he honored it and fulfilled it. Passover was that sacrament ordained and appointed by, it was appointed by Moses. Jesus honored it by eating it with his disciples. As the Son of God, he appointed it according to his design and purpose. And as the Son of Man, he was righteous 
and submitted to all of the afflictions and all of the injuries that were signified by the Old Testament ordinance. When Israel was eating the bitter herbs, it was a reminder to them of the bitterness of the afflictions that they encountered in Israel. And as Jesus ate those bitter herbs with his disciples, he as the righteous and holy one submitted to every affliction and every injury for the sake of his people. And so Jesus followed the Old Testament law perfectly to show that he was obedient, that he was actively obedient. And so the afflictions and the injuries of Israel in the wilderness, in, in, uh, there in Egypt, the Lord delivered them. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ bore the same afflictions and injuries for his people. And so he fulfilled it. He honored it. By having that Passover with his disciples, he reminds them the affliction and the bitterness that they would encounter. But it reminds them of the afflictions of our Savior who became the Passover lamb. But secondly... Second reason why Jesus observed the Passover with his disciples was to show that he was the true Passover lamb. That lamb whose blood was slaughtered was not the thing that saved them. That was not what delivered them. For Israel coming out of Egypt, that lamb was not what delivered them. The blood of that lamb was not what delivered them. But as the writer of Hebrews reminds us it's not the blood of bulls and goats, but it's the precious blood of the Lamb that man is redeemed. And as Christ drew near to his sufferings and death, he is the type of that Passover, and he is the true Passover Lamb. Remember there in John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John Chrysostom, an early leader of the church, one who was a great preacher, says this, At the same table that Jesus sat at with his disciples was the one Passover that was the figure and the other that was the substance. And Jesus celebrated both. To Old Testament Israel, it was a remembrance of the grace of God past and the sealing of grace promised. He passed over the homes and spared them from the wrath of God. Christ fulfilled this as the true Passover lamb. By his presence at the table, the spotless lamb of God sprinkled his blood upon the hearts of those whom he redeemed. The righteous son of man, saint, covers your sin. The righteous son of man covers your guilt. The righteous Son of Man frees you from the power of sin. 
Perhaps you feel like you're in a prison. Perhaps you feel like you're in bondage to sin. Perhaps you feel like you're in bondage to lust or or pride or anger or the acceptance of the approval of men. But the Lord Jesus Christ, by his very blood, frees us from the bondage of sin so that we might freely serve the Lord our God. And so Jesus shows to the disciples, he shows to us, that he is the true Passover lamb. He is the one who takes away our sins. The third reason Jesus celebrated that Passover is he came to bring an end to that ceremonial law. He came to put an end to circumcision under the old economy, so that he might give strength and power to baptism in the new administration. The first sacrament of circumcision was legal. The second sacrament was evangelical. And it is the same for the Passover. Jesus put an end to that Passover that was the legal right so that he might give power to the supper of the Lord. Jesus showed that all the former shadows and all the former types were abolished. Now he is the true and living Passover lamb that has come. Oh, here we find a wonderful thought for us as we think about the the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, that the Lord Jesus Christ provides for us that feast because he is the true Lamb of God. John gives more detail in his gospel of those things that happened in the upper room and of the discourse that Jesus had with his disciples. But I think it's important for us to remember that the Sacrament of the Old Testament was a type and shadow that it didn't negate anything. Oftentimes we think that there's a negation under the Old Testament. But the Old Testament in seed form was like a flower. You plant the seed and the flower begins to grow. And then we understand the fullness of all that God promised to do through Christ. Oh, saint of God, don't be like those who think that the Old Testament is not for the church today. Oh, it very much is for the church today. Because here we find that God lays out all of the prescriptions. How he is to be worshipped, how his people are to be saved, how his people are called to walk in holiness. The Lord Jesus Christ indeed shows us the significance of Passover. He shows us the preparation of the Passover. He shows us the reason for the Passover. Jesus is the Lamb who passes over those who have the blood sprinkled upon their hearts. The blood was sprinkled upon the doors of their homes. But Hebrews tells us that Christ's blood is sprinkled upon our hearts we might be drawn ever closer to him. 
Sadly, in our day, those who fall back into the form and don't see beyond that make some strong errors. We want to remember that all of this shows us that the Lord Jesus Christ is truly the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. I draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. There, in chapter 5, Paul reports that there is a man in their midst who had committed incest. And the church refused to deal with it. And so he tells them in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians, chapter 5, Make sure that you deliver this man unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that he might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the context of which Paul is dealing with is that incestuous man whom the church allowed to remain in their midst without any judgment. And then then Paul says in verse 7, Purge out the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Oftentimes in the New Testament, leaven is a sign of that thing that, particularly of sin, that has an influence upon the lives of people. Leaven can also be used in a positive way. But here he's using it in the sense of the leaven of malice and wickedness that they are to put away from them. But there in that verse 11, it says, Purge therefore that old leaven so that you might worship Christ who is the Passover sacrificed for us. And Paul shows that Christ is that fulfillment of the Old Testament Passover. That he is sacrificed for us. And he calls the people to rid themselves of that old leaven. To rid themselves of wickedness and sin and hypocrisy. And those things that violate the law of God. Paul shows that Christians are to keep the feast by living holy lives in sincerity and truth. Israel was called to live holy lives by keeping that feast. But for many of them, like us, the blind eyes could not see. And yet Paul calls us as his people to understand the power of sin, to understand the influence of sin, to understand how sin can have such a grip upon us 
But that's why we need the sacrifice of Christ to deliver us from the power of sin, to break the power of sin over our lives that we might live in sincerity and truth. For us this morning, we have the New Testament Passover here for us to observe today. Just as Israel under the Old Testament, there wasn't a lot of of fanfare. It was a very simple, it was a very simple service. It was eaten in haste. We too come to eat those things that the Lord Jesus Christ has prescribed for us. I know that some of you are thinking, oh, but we use leavened bread. We don't use unleavened bread. That's a whole other issue. The Bible does not get into the distinctives of whether it should be leavened or unleavened bread. But here, for our instruction, we find that the leaven represents the power of sin that Christ has come to break. No believer, as we come to the table this morning, if you are in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been given privilege and access to the table of the Lord, you may have doubts about your own salvation. You may have fears that keep you away from the table. You may have your own sin and your own pride that says, I'm not good enough to come to the table of the Lord. And guess what? None of us are good and righteous before God. And we will have our doubts. Perhaps some here today have no assurance of their salvation. But if you've trusted in Christ, if you're resting in Him for your salvation, He gives you that assurance and that hope. We don't give it to ourselves. We find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let us come this morning with that desire to eat this Passover with the Lord Jesus Christ because here He is our Savior in His sweetness, in His comfort, in His consolation. He delights to do the will of the Father that we might be drawn unto Him. Perhaps this morning you are not sure of your salvation. I would urge you today to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, to cast yourselves upon His mercy, to speak to myself or to Elder Nick Detroit about what it is to have that relationship with Christ. But for those weak, doubting, fearful sinners who have been covered in the righteousness of Christ, we have this sacrament for our benefit this morning. And let us come and eat in sincerity and in truth as we observe this Passover meal. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus Christ, we give Thee thanks this morning that Thou art the Passover Lamb, that by Thy very blood You have saved us you've redeemed us it's not with perishable things but it is the imperishable blood of the lamb that saves us we pray that as we come this morning we might see the importance of that passover meal that we might come with that desire to eat with thee lord if there are some sitting here today that 
perhaps find themselves under the power of sin. Perhaps they are discouraged. Perhaps they are feel defeated. Perhaps they, they find themselves in fear and, and not certain. Oh Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. I pray that today you would encourage their hearts. That they might find comfort and salvation in Christ alone. And we ask this in his name and for his sake. Amen.